Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, church. How are you all? Good. You look fabulous. Are you glad the sun came out? Let's get the band a hand. Come on, somebody. Good job, you guys. Thank you so much. Glad they persevered through. Yeah. So that's fun that they were they were persevering. I guess we have a Cat 5 cable going bad or something, and so uh, the Lord has sustained us. We had a quick uh, Band-Aid from the Holy Spirit. We made it through. Now we will have to find the problemo. Amen? Were you touched by the Lord anyway? Yes? How many of you are glad you came to church already? Yeah? How many of you know He's still working? Right? So, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to keep working. Amen? We welcome, we welcome your ministry. You know, don't be surprised uh, if the Holy Spirit just touches you and does something supernatural right in the middle of not expecting it. Right? And uh, don't be surprised, too, like if Chris is up here mentioning backs, all at once you feel like something's changed in a hip or a shoulder. Right? or your hearing's opened, or something else happens. So, uh, healing is the calling card of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we want, we want to allow Him, and we want to welcome Him to work. And Paul says, you know, when I came to you, he's writing to the Corinthians, which was a very perverse, messed up, sideways people, a pagan group of people, far worse than America. Hello, somebody. And so Paul says, when I came to you, I didn't depend on the eloquence of my speech, but rather the demonstration of the Spirit of God. And, and so it's the Holy Spirit. He loves to just show off a little bit. Uh, and if our hearts are open to that, you know, if we put up some blockades, uh, then, then it's, you know, we, can, we have to kind of wonder, why are we in church if we were putting up all these blockades, right? Why did you even come if you were going to come and put up all these blockades, Right? Uh, and so, if we just if we just give him a little bit, maybe uh, then some of those some of those things will will fall down as he touches us. And just if we just give him a little bit, right, a little bit of allowance, a little bit of freedom, a little bit of openness. So, so Holy Spirit, that's what we we welcome you to do. We've loved all the testimonies. A lot of testimonies have been coming in about even just praying for unsaved people. Uh, or unbelieving people, unchurched people, people out out any kind of a religious background, and uh, them getting healed. So God's been doing some cool cool, cool things uh, recently with friends of the body, uh, and so that happened with Will Camp. We had him write it down, put it on the testimony board. That happened with Roger Hoshin. So. Uh, uh, there's, there's others too. We've been collecting some of those. We're just, we're uh, populating a testimony board out in the foyer above the drinking fountain. So if you're there for, uh, for water, then right above you can read about living water, right? Uh, and so, uh, if you've got a testimony that's, you know, something that's going on, some kind, something that's happened, uh, an answer to prayer with you or somebody else, we want you to write that and put that up on the testimony board. Encourage one another uh, in what God is doing, because God's doing good things all of the time. Amen? And we just believe we don't even, when we're, we're in an atmosphere like this, we, uh, we just, we don't even need to get uh, to, like, we don't have to work ourselves up in an atmosphere like this. Holy Spirit's just going to be ministering, dropping, uh, like they say in tribe, joy bombs, right? So there's going to be just... Uh, the overflow of the goodness of God landing on us, hitting us, and we want to just receive from Him and say yes fully. Amen. I want to talk to you uh, about of our, uh, out of our Raise to Life series. So um, we're going to polish off some Raise to Life thoughts today, and then uh, next week we get into kind of a brand new theme. Uh, and then and we're kind of moving toward Father's Day. We've got Father's Day ahead of us as well. So we've got a few things we feel like the Holy Spirit's been saying, and, and today we want to polish off some thoughts on being raised to life. And um, I want to start with some scriptures and just talk a little bit about um, we had the tomb up here, or not the tomb, but we had the, the coffin, the casket up here, uh, but we've actually put it away for, for this season. Um, 
But we, we, re, we were talking for a little while about uh, how that our death results in resurrection. And that, that we identify with the death of Jesus. The Bible says we identify with the death of Jesus as our own death to the sinful nature. And so, uh, a few weeks back, we talked about uh, three deaths that we die uh, in and uh, recognizing that we're dead in Christ, that when He died, He also put to death the power of the Adamic nature or the sinful nature in our lives as well, separating us from the Adamic nature or the sinful nature and giving us new life so that when we identify with Him, we are participating, partaking in resurrection life all of the time. How many of you know that? How many of you believe that? Then the next, the next message in the series, Zach talked about the importance of faith, that, that hope is good, but the new creation life is a life of faith. And that faith is, is tied into that resurrection life and walking in that resurrection life. And, and I want to tie a few of these points together. Just I want to pull some of this together. And specifically, I want to minister out of the second death that, that we're called to embrace so that we enter into the resurrection life. And that second death is a death to our own stubbornness, our own self-will, our own rebellion, our own distrust. And it's the thing that we see, we see Adam failing with regard to that particular, that particular aspect in the garden. But we see Jesus, the last Adam, succeeding. We see... Adam in the garden essentially saying, not your will, but mine be done. We see Jesus in a later garden saying, not my will, but yours be done. Amen? So I want to tie that together with some of our thoughts as well out of faith today. And, and I want us to think about how that faith is tied into that statement, not my will, but yours be done. I want to tie all of that together, and I, I want us to think about the, the resurrection life, the raised up life, because I really believe that, that there, there is a challenge for us in our everyday life, a challenge for us in our everyday world, and I think that there are, there are leadings of the Lord that when those leadings of the Lord come, we also are called to make that same choice in Jesus, in the new creation that Jesus had to make, not my will, but yours be done. Have you know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Have you had to make that choice? I was thinking, uh, I was thinking, I was really moved by mom's testimony, grandma's testimony. I call her mom, but how many of you were in church on Mother's Day? So some of you heard grandma's testimony, and, and uh, she's never, we've never had her share her testimony like that in this kind of a setting. So that was, that was kind of a first time, first event, and it was really powerful. But there were th some things that moved me about her testimony and I'm reflecting a bit on, on some of this. Uh, even out of Revelation uh, chapter 12, 11, they overcame him, Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. There were three things. And by loving not their lives even unto the death. What was that third thing? Loving not their lives even unto the death. When we start talking about when we start talking about this this third area of making these choices to follow God and to, to follow His will and to follow His word and to follow what He has for us, sometimes it can be a little rough. 
And sometimes the choice that he's leading us through or to can be less convenient than the other choice that's before us at the fork of that road. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so often we're faced with these choices. And I was reflecting on mom's testimony. Here they are in Guatemala, and uh, they feel the Lord leads them to Guatemala. By the way, I know some of the family history. I've been hanging out with them for 35 years. So I know some of the family history uh, that, that Papa Joel felt very, very led undeniably led to go to Guatemala. There was no question about it. But in the midst of all of his training, there was kind of a prophetic word that surfaced, and the prophetic word that surfaced was that he was going to die in Guatemala. So it kind of rocked the family a little bit. All of the family, except for yours truly, of whom she's not with us today, She's uh, in Boise, so she delivered the third child to his job, uh, and they, they drove the truck across the country, so, and she'll be flying home today. So if you're wondering where Mrs. Wolf is, um, she had a delivery package. Uh, so uh, number three is over in Boise with number two right now. And remember, we're prophesying that they come back, come back. The Lord brings them home. And so number, uh, number four of the Robertson family was not there yet. Remember, she was later to come into mom's womb. But nonetheless, they had this word. It was kind of this prophetic word that circled in the Robertson family. And she has three older siblings. So even the siblings were aware of it, and they talked about it. Uh, and uh, Papa Joel felt so... We call him Joe, but anyway, Papa Joe felt so strong about this word, as did others, uh, that he went and fasted and prayed and spent some time before the Lord on it. And uh, the only thing he could come back with was, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Now, it's interesting, in Acts chapter 13 and following, we find some interesting stuff there. Uh, Paul started feeling like he was supposed to go to Rome. And in Acts chapter 13 and following, it says that there were certain prophets that actually bound him up, and and then they prophesied, and they said, this is going to happen to you if you go to Rome. Uh, and, And you know what Paul's response was? So be it. I'm still going. See, when you know that you've heard from God, when you know that you've heard from God, This is the crazy thing. The crazy thing is that we are called to be led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 15, and 16 says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And, and, and the walk that we have with God now cannot be a walk that is checked off with check boxes on the Ten Commandment touch card. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. Boy, I got a good walk with God. Man, do I have a good walk with God. Hallelujah. Father saw that, that that kind of religious approach was not the epitome of the relationship that he desired. It was not bringing forth the, the connection, the friendship, the intimacy that he desired. And so, so part of what Jesus is doing when we see him when we see him putting the Adamic nature to death, when we see him raised up to represent us, when we see him ever living before the Father as our intercessor, part of what he's doing, he's restoring us to Father, he's restoring us to relationship, he's bringing us into the Trinity, he's making us one with them so that we sup with them, we commune with them, common union. Remember that's what we, you know, when we celebrate with the Jews, communion, common union. That's where it came from, right? We have union with our Father. 
It's a divine, it's an organic, it's a living relationship. It is not ten boxes on a, 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 on a law card. Are you with me so far? So the Holy Spirit leads us to do things, and we, ha- we have to, and, and if the Holy Spirit is leading us to do things, even if the thing that He's leading us to do, if we don't, if we don't keep our faith strong all the way through to the very end of the thing, then not, not only will the thing be sabotaged potentially, but we could be sabotaged. We could become shipwreck. And if we've heard from Father, as, as Father does lead, and He leads well, if we've heard from Father, then, then the outcome, whatever that outcome will be, that outcome will be better than any other outcome that could have possibly come forth. That outcome will be better than any other outcome that could have possibly come forth. Yeah, but what if there's loss, or what? What if there's? What if there's? And this is where this is where part of part of our our struggle, the struggle with the the old Adam guy that wants to come out of that box, is the the what ifs? What? Whoa, 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 what if it costs me? What if? What if there's? Whoa, what if it's expensive? What? What if it hurts? What? So Papa Joe prays it through. He announces actually to the whole family, it's going to be okay. Then they get to Guatemala. Then Grandma ends up pregnant. Can't figure that one out. In other words, it must have been a divine conception. She's like, what in the world is this all about? Um, she's 92. So she was 40. She wasn't real happy about this. She knows it's a girl in her womb, but that's my wife. Those of you that are first-time visitors, forgive me. Uh, she knows it's a girl in her womb, but she never gets a name. Remember the story? Were you here? She never gets a name until the morning of Papa Joe's death. That morning on her way into the market, the Holy Spirit drops it in her heart. The name of the child is Joel Paulette. Well, you don't put an et on a boy. I hope not. Anyway, I'm praying for you, but anyway. Joel Paulette. And then, I don't know if you remember the word, then the missionaries come and they, to the house later that afternoon, and they share with her that her husband's passed away, the plane went down. Um, and I think, you know, Joel and I, after church on Mother's Day, Joel and I uh, did a lot of talking. And part of what we were talking about is that, you know, we just don't, we don't understand fully the ways of God. We just, we don't understand fully the ways of God. We don't understand fully the deposit of a seed. We don't fully understand the power of sacrifice. We, we don't fully understand. I wish I did. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be nice to have a pastor like that? Wow. But, I, you know, I think we just don't fully understand the ways of God. Like, in the Old Testament, I reminded Joel of this. In the Old Testament, the Israelites were coming against an enemy. I think it was the Moabites. And anyway, they were coming against this enemy, and they were prevailing over them until the king, the Moabite king, sacrificed his son on the wall. And when he sacrificed his son on the wall, the Israelites turned and fled. You and I read that, and we're like, What's that about? There's some kind of power in a sacrifice that I don't know that we fully grasp. There's some kind of a power in a seed sown. You know, John 12, 24, Jesus said, unless a seed 
or if a seed abides alone, you know, unless it's, unless it's planted, it will abide alone. But if it's planted, then it will bring forth a great harvest. So it's that afternoon after the missionaries came and shared the story that Joe's plane had gone down and that he had passed away. That she she goes into back into the house and and probably to move into what would have been a normal course of maybe grieving or sorrow, but the Holy Spirit immediately speaks to her and says, It's for this that you've been carrying that baby that you've wondered about. <laughs> So this is crazy stuff because in God's providence, in God's providence, then God knew the baby was coming. God knew the baby was needed. God knew the baby was part of the plan. God knew there would be a resurrection, not just through the seed of Joe and something that happened in the spirit realm in Guatemala, but there would be a resurrection out of this daughter that would carry his name and his anointing and his ministry. I'm just talking to you about about choosing the leading of the Lord regardless of how good the tree looks. It says that they saw the tree. Now, they were told, don't eat of this tree. Genesis chapter 2, they were told, don't eat of this tree. The Lord put man in the garden and said, you're free to eat of any tree in the garden except for this tree. Don't eat of this tree. Stay away from this tree. And we've got this relationship where the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. We want Him to speak to us. We want Him to lead us. It's it's normal to be led. But then some of the things He says are costly. They involve investment. They involve sacrifice. They might even involve they might even invo- involve uh, the giving up of our lives. You know, we sit here comfortably and and joyfully, and we're blessed. And other Christians somewhere else today are giving up their lives. So we've got to have this bigger picture. We've got to have this. We've got to have this bigger picture that that God is doing something. God is doing something on the other side of His leading. That's beyond the scope, sometimes of our own understanding. But yet, when we hear from Him, when we hear from Him, when His Word is given to us then the right thing, the powerful thing, the wise thing is to follow His Word regardless of the cost. Keeping our faith all the way through the end. Are you with me so far? I wanted to uh, I to read to you a verse, kind of the text verse of the day today. Isaiah 119. Isaiah 119. I want to talk about two kinds of faith that are needed. Uh, I think I think to walk this out that I want to look at two aspects of faith. I think two kinds of faith, two aspects of faith are needed and and maybe this will be an encouragement to you with regard to the walk of faith and keeping your faith alive. Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Have you heard that before? Isaiah 119, it's, I don't know, it's one of those verses that's been like rattling around in my heart, my consciousness, my inner man for years. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Now, I personally like the good of the land. One translation says the fat of the land. And while Joel was gone yesterday, I did some of that. And I, and I, I paid for it a bit. I was a bit fluffier this morning when I woke up. 
And I thought, you know, I better not tuck my shirt in today because the fluff, the fluff is, it's a little heavier than I, I really wanted. So I, I don't know what lunch will be today, but it better be careful. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Another translation says, you will eat the best of the land. So it's this picture of, it's this picture of, of Joseph going before Jacob. Remember, he goes down into Egypt, and, and God works providentially to, to make him you know, second in command. And then word gets back to dad, and pretty soon all the kids come down. And, and where does the Pharaoh put them? In the land of Goshen. What was the land of Goshen? It describes Goshen, and it says it was the fertile land that was like the Garden of Eden. God is forever wanting to lead you into that which is like the Garden of Eden. But the problem is, we got to jump in that box before we get there. That's the problem. There's hurdles to overcome. There is a... There, there's a uh, one of these casket deals that we got to get into, we've got to embrace some death to move into resurrection. And here's another problem. It doesn't always come quickly. Those of you that want an instant resurrection, be careful. It doesn't always come quickly. Sometimes we have to push through, we have to press through, we have to overcome, we have to keep believing all the way through something. But if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That is, you will be raised up, you will experience eventual resurrection. Willing and obedient. I like that he put willing in this scripture because obedience speaks to following his leading, buying into what he's saying, loving what he's up to, turning our heart toward him, listening well. But willing, willing is important because he doesn't want us to feel coerced. He doesn't want us to feel manipulated. He, he doesn't want us to feel forced. He wants this coming out of a faith relationship. Faith will awaken the fuel to be willing and obedient. Here's the two kinds of faith faith I want you to think about. The first is reverent faith. Reverent faith. Reverent faith is born of humility. Reverent faith is is born out of recognizing God's superiority. Humbly recognizing God's greatness. That He's omnipotent. That means all-powerful. He's omniscient. That means all-knowing. That he's good and all the virtues of good dwell in him. We get the word good from, from God, from him. That he is love and love has its beginning in him. All these characteristics, it's, it's, it's irreverent. We, we follow him because he's superior. He could force us to follow, but there's no relational joy in that. That we're choosing to follow because we see that He is supreme. He sees the end from the beginning. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. Isaiah 40, 28, have you never heard, have you never understood, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. This is the Lord. The Lord is superior. So when we hear from the Lord, 
this is part of what's happening with us, is that when we hear from the Lord, it stirs up a reverent faith. Hey, that wasn't just my friend talking. That wasn't just my spouse talking. That wasn't just something on the radio. That was the leading of the Lord. When we hear the leading of the Lord, and we know it's come from a superior source, one who is all-knowing, one who is all-powerful, one who is all-wise, one who in him is counsel, one who in him is love, one who in him is good, then it stirs up a reverent faith within us that we know that we know that this is something we should do. This is something we should do. It arouses within us this, this sense of, I should do that. You know what I'm talking about? I should get involved with that. I should give in to that. I should run that race. I should go apologize. I should make a shift or a change. I should open up my wallet. I should call mom right now. We're submitting to him. Submitting to him is to obey if you're willing and obedient. Submitting to him. It's a wise choice and it yields amazing fruitfulness, life, and peace. And the wise want to do this. This is part of the new creation unction within you. It's Jesus within you. Oh, that was the voice of Father. That was the voice of the Holy Spirit. The wise want to do this. The wise want to follow the leading of the Lord. We want to do this because His wisdom is superior, and we trust His wisdom. What I want to talk to you about the second kind of faith. The second kind of faith is in God's goodness. And this is extremely important for us to follow. Just as important as reverent faith, we need reward faith. Just as important as reverent faith, we need reward faith. And many who've only had reverent faith without reward faith have ended up shipwrecked, have ended up disillusioned have ended up giving up, have ended up not finishing that which they began. Reward faith. Faith that Father is a rewarder. Let me read a couple of verses to you. Hebrews 11.6, you're familiar with this one. Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Those who come to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. Come on, say it with me, rewarder. This is, this is now God's putting this right in the Word to help us see this is a context of faith that we all need, not just a reverent faith. Well, he's, he's God, he's wiser, he's the boss, he's in charge, who am I? He's omnipotent. I mean, I, need, I should do this. But it's a reward faith. I find that if we embrace a reverent faith only, then the way we express ourselves could be like this. Yeah, um, well, I, I, I mean, you know, I really didn't want to do this. But, but God's making me. See, God wants to win your heart to the reward. And until your heart is won to the reward, your faith is not complete. The two have to be married. I defer to him. I take a submission to his mission. I defer to his wisdom, but I do it joyfully, or I do it for the joy set before me. 
You notice there was no self-pity with Jesus on the cross, but there is with Christians everywhere. He's on the cross, and he's in between two others that are hanging there, and, and, and one, one mocks him, and he didn't reply to that one. Yeah, I know what you mean. I didn't want to be here either. And then the other one says, remember me when you come into, and he's like, remember you? Nothing. You've got to be kidding me. I'd be lucky if I make it in. I mean, this is miserable. You tried one of these before? You'll notice there, there's none of this, this uh, yeah, this wasn't my idea. I don't know what I'm doing up here. This is ridiculous. Uh, well, no. this is what he had in mind. Okay. But yet this is sometimes the attitude that we carry as Christians when, we're, when God's trying to lead us into something. Uh, pretend the casket's still here. He's trying to lead us into a, a death, a box. Uh, 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 he's trying to lead us into something that will result in great breakthrough, great advancement. If we don't lay hold of a reward, faith, aspect, and marry it to the reverence that's stirring within us to obey then we will not eat the good of the land. We will not experience this full resurrected life. We will not see the goodness of God in the land of living. We will simply lay down our lives, but without the reward. Reward faith. It says in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Jesus endured the cross... So up here, he might, have been, <clears throat> he might have been gritting his teeth a little bit. You ever grit your teeth going through something that the Holy Spirit's led you? To? He might have been gritting his teeth a little bit, but what was coming out of his voice and coming out of his soul and out of his emotion was all that Father had in mind for him. It says he did it for the joy set before him. He's envisioning you and me. He's envisioning you and me. Says the same of Moses in Hebrews chapter 11. He considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. When Moses made those decisions, when Moses made those choices to identify with the Hebrew people, when Moses made the, when he followed and came back, we see a little wrestling, we see a little tug of war, don't we? But at one point, Moses got on board with God. You ever, you, you ever gone through a little wrestling? Anybody? At some point, you get on board with God. And when you get on board with God, then self-pity should never come over your lips again. In the beginning, he tells God, I can't even speak, right? I'm just a stutterer. I can't even speak. Okay, fine. Bring Aaron. He can talk. Do you see Aaron talking after they showed up? Nope. Didn't do a lot of talking. Moses found his mouth. Once he got on board with God, then he found himself engaged, and faith arose within him. For willing and obedient, will eat the good of the land. For he who comes to God must believe that he is reverent faith, and he must believe that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have to trust always that a resurrection is in this leading. A resurrection, the purpose of God, the goodness of God, something good from God a harvest from God, a breakthrough from God. No matter what we're going through, we keep our faith all the way through to the enthronement, to the breakthrough.
If we don't, we come bitter. I believe that this could be a deterrent to many coming to church and coming to the Lord, is that around them are living bitter Christians. Christians who have not embraced Isaiah 1.19 and Hebrews 11.6, a reverent faith married to a reward faith. Do you know any bitter Christians? Sometimes, for instance, we feel led to do something, but if the investment is costly, we start thinking about it while we're doing it. The longer we work, the more bitter we can get. Maybe it's an act of kindness. Maybe it's an act of giving. Maybe it's going out of your way during a busy season personally to serve someone in need. True story, a friend and a member of a particular church felt led to donate his time and paint the church. Church needed painted. He felt led by the Lord to paint the church. But he ended up the only one on the volunteer team to paint the church. Ever happened to you? Yeah, I signed up for outreach and I'm the only guy there. How'd you do with that? Had a bad attitude. Where's everybody else? Lousy Christians. I'm only here because the Lord made me. Well, there you go right there. You lost your Isaiah 119 and your Hebrews 11.6 blessing right there. So he ended up being the only one on the volunteer team to paint the church. By the time he was done painting the church, by the way, we got a lot of walls in this building. Somebody had to do this. Wow. By the time he was done painting the church for free, because he said the Lord told him to paint it for free, he was getting bitter. He had plenty of time to stew on how long it was taking him and how no one else was involved. And he might have done better with his investment if his wife wouldn't have chimed in, bless her darling heart, for she was certainly upset that no one else got on board, and she, she led him into more bitterness. What happened to our friend the painter? He lost his reward. What about you? Has it happened to you? Ever volunteer for something and then nobody else shows up? You're all excited on the day you volunteer. You signed the clipboard. You're all excited until no one else shows. Then you have to decide if you're going to follow through. Maybe you don't even follow through. Maybe you just cut out and leave. Did the Lord talk to you or did he talk to everybody else? Does it really matter if he talked to everybody else, if he talked to you? Is this the tree in the garden you're not supposed to mess with? Is this what he was leading you to do? What if you're the only one that he talked to just to test you, to see if you would obey? Will you choose the sunshine today that looks so good, or will you choose what it is you committed to? Yeah, but, but that sunshine looks so good. It looked good to my eyes. Genesis chapter 2, 16. There's things that look good to us, and they look much better than things that we're called to many times. So what will we choose? If we don't if we don't believe that He is the rewarder of those who follow His Word, the rewarder of those who seek to follow Him, if we don't believe that, then even though we signed up or volunteered out of deference to His reverent superiority, then we'll become disillusioned, we'll become bitter, and we'll become that negative Christian that nobody wants to be around. Let's stand. We've got to close this morning. Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You shall eat the good of the land. I fear that if we have a man-centered approach to life and we keep putting man first and God second, It's going to harm our commitment to His will, His mission, His desire. But if we have a God-centered approach to life, and we marry that God-centered approach to a reverence for Him, 
and of faith that he is a rewarder, then we will follow through. We'll make it to the end. And if no one else shows, it's okay. If no one else does it, it's all right. If it cost me so much to do this, you don't even need to tell everybody what it costs you. The reward is on its way. The reward is on its way. For He is a God that rewards. He is a God that rewards. And so we keep our faith. We keep our faith alive. God is my reward. God is my help. God sees what I'm doing. Amen? God is my rewarder. God is my help. God sees what I'm doing. Father, I'm just thankful this blesses you. I'm thankful this blesses you. I'm glad to be able to do this, Lord. I'm glad to be able to do this. Lord, your reward is upon me. Your kindness is, is over me. Lord, Lord, this is costing me quite a bit. I'm not going to talk about it with everybody else. This is costing me quite a bit, Lord. And you know what? I'm just so grateful that you see this as an investment. You see this as seed sown. You see this as sacrifice. You see this as something that's going to bring a great harvest. I'm thanking you in advance. There's a great harvest in my life. There's a great reward ahead of me. There's a great reward ahead of me. I'm so blessed that there's a great reward ahead of me, Lord. Keep yourself in a spirit of faith all the way through the end. Amen. Come on, hands hands up all across the auditorium. I just want you to let bitterness go right now. Just before the Lord. Just in your own words. Father, I just let go of bitterness toward you. I I let go of bitterness toward what you've called me to. I I let go of self-pity. I let go of a concern over self. I I let go of negativity. I let go of fault-finding criticism and judgment with others who weren't there, didn't show up, didn't help. I just release every negative thought. I let go of it. I let go of it. I turn away from it. I don't want it in my life anymore. And Lord, I forsake every thought that contradicts your reward. I forsake every thought. I let go. I turn away from every thought. Come on, you just use your words. You just use use your words. But join with me. Just agree with me. It can be a whisper tone. But I want you praying this morning. And I want you just shedding this, shedding this negativity right now. I want you shedding this right now. That when the Lord leads you to do something, He is a rewarder of them who follow Him. He is a rewarder. You're going to eat the best of the land. And you're going to be not only obedient, but you're going to be willing. It's faith in the reward that is fuel for you to be willing. It's faith in the reward that is fuel for you to be willing. And so, Lord, I'm going to be willing. I'm going to be willing. I'm going to be willing this time, next time, the next time, and the next time. I'm going to continue to be willing because your reward is on my life. Your reward is on my life. You've attached reward to what you've called me to. You've attached reward to what you've called me to. And I forsake every contradiction. I let go. I forsake. I dismiss every contradiction. Every contradiction has to go. Your grace is plenty good. It's sufficient for me to do what you call me to do. And I receive the increase on it in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed just for a moment. Put your hands down if you want to. I want to just talk to those of you. This morning you're in the room, and maybe you're not sure of your relationship with God. Bible says those Ten Commandments are very important. Jesus said, never teach anyone that the Ten Commandments are not important. They're extremely important. And one of the reasons they're important is they show every one of us that we fall short of the glory of God. That at some point, running down that checklist, we fail. At some point, we fail. We looked upon a woman with a desire it was inappropriate we exaggerated a story and it actually turned out to be untrue we made an idol of something in our lives and we put it above God and on and on it goes down that list 
we will find that we fall short of the glory of God. And this is why Jesus came. Because without the sacrifice of Jesus, without the intervention of Jesus, without the high priestly ministry of Jesus, we could have never had a relationship with God because those laws never would qualify us. Because we just kept falling short. We kept falling short. And if that's you this morning, you just say, Dwayne, I just know that I fall short of the glory of God. But I want a relationship with God. And I want to pray with you this morning. And I'm going to ask the team to come. Actually, some of the team members, if you just come, some of the prayer team. And as we close this morning, if you if that's you, you just you want to make your life right with God. You want the sacrifice of Jesus, the forgiveness that is yours through Jesus, the restoration with Father that is yours through Jesus to be applied to your life. Then we want to pray with you. Prayer team, if you'd come, just we'll close this way. Father, thank you for a restoration of relationship. Thank you that through Jesus we can approach you, that our sins are forgiven. We can receive a new life. The grace of faith can come alive within us. We can begin to live out of a grace place. Thank you for it today. We thank you for it today. Let's worship as we go. And I want you to just respond to the Lord. Respond to the Lord. Respond to the Lord. If He's tugging on your heart, then if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land.